Welcome once again to the Low Key Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Aaron Lanton, and today, as always, I'm joined by Tim Malloy and Keith Denny. We will now be talking about No Sudden Move, which can be seen currently on HBO Max. It's a movie about um, a simple job going wrong. A couple of criminals are brought together to do a job, um, essentially babysitting the family while a, fam- a father goes to get a document, and things quickly fall apart. Um, and then we get into this web of confusion of betrayal. Uh, it's uh, actually can be described by a lot of people as an environmental racism thriller and a traffic reunion. Um, some, of you, some of you nerds will get that. And the people who are seeing the movie will get it. So as always, as we review this movie, there'll be spoilers. So if you have not seen No Sudden Move, go to your HBO Max subscription, check it out, come back. And now we're going to dive deep into it. So, um, Keith, let's start with you. What did you think of the movie? Man, I, I personally just, um, I just kind of love this type of genre. Like, um, I love I love heist films, but I definitely love it. It had like that, um, what do we call it? Like that film noir type feel to it. And I think it's something that, and I know there has been other movies that's made like this that's come out in a while, but I think like in a, in a, I guess in the in the now where everything is so saturated with hum, with um, comic book films and you know action action type of stuff is good to kind of take a step back into that type this type of genre um, that hard, crime noir hard boiled type of thing and I don't know it was no a, explosions it was a of incredible yeah and the, <laughs> and, the, and the violence that's in it. You know, it's not that um, extremely like gratuitous violence, no, it's and it's um, and it's to me a violence that is more, if that makes sense, more rooted within realism in a sense. Like, there's not like these elaborate gunfights or nothing like that. You know, yeah, I'm kind of shocked this rate at all. I see why it is for themes, but it's not like uh, a particularly super violent film. It doesn't. I mean, the racism in the film is not like brutal in the same way you might expect with some of the things that mean to kind of delve deep into that stuff. This movie's definitely about racism in a lot of ways. That is kind of like this key underlying thing that frames a lot of what we see. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised by that. But yeah, like you said, it, it's very much an under control. Like it, it, there are big stakes, but they're not, um, you know, they don't lead to like this climactic battle with like 50, thousand people fighting out in the street or something crazy you know right. like a lot of bloodshed i also i also think it's something to be said about a film that's like um i don't know what other people consider to be like a timeless film but to me i think when i think of a timeless film i think of a film that no matter like i guess where we are in history you can still it could it could have this movie could have been made literally in the 50s it could have been made in the in the sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, two two thousand and two thousand fifty, and still would have been the same type of film if that makes any sense. And um, and and I kind of like I just appreciate films like that, you know what I'm saying? Where like fifty years down the line, this particular film would be relevant. If you know, you know what I mean, like because there are certain films that they're not good to they were good to look at like in the time that they were made but then you look at them 
you know, a few years later, you're like, oh, this kind of looks like shit or like this isn't even relatable in any, in any kind of way of fashion or form, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like, I'm, I'm sure Flash Gordon was the shit when it first came out. <laughs> <laughs> you look at it now and you like, uh, I mean, you only like it because it's because of the nostalgia, not because yeah. the movie even held up in any type of way. So I think this is a movie that's going to, you know, hold up years down the line so yeah yeah what about you tim how do you uh feel about the movie okay i I love steven soderbergh traffic is one of my favorite movies i think don Cheadle's amazing benicio del toro john ham amy samitz brendan fraser like this is one of the best casts of any movie i've ever seen um getting julia fox in there who's so good in uncut gems super inspired yes Uh, ray Liotta, bill duke i mean jesus it's such a good lineup and honestly, I was just super confused by a lot of stuff in this movie and had a hard time getting invested in it. And I think one sort of giveaway for me about what this movie is meant to be is the fisheye lenses. And maybe there's another name for that, for the camera technique that we're seeing that Steven Soderbergh, if he were here, could correct me on because he shot the movie. He was the cinematographer and the editor, as well as the DP um, under mm-hmm. assumed names. Uh, but he does this thing where there's this fisheye effect in a lot of the scenes that I've seen commented on a little bit in some of the reviews and on Reddit that took some people out of it. And he's very, very smart and very, very schooled in filmmaking. One of the best directors ever. And I feel like he did that fisheye effect for a reason. And I think he wanted to remind us that we were in a movie. And I think that postscript at the end that kind of, I don't know if MacGuffin is quite the right term because it, it is explained what it is. The fact that we've been watching this whole plot unfurl <laughs> catalytic converters is such a strange <laughs> thing for the whole movie to hang on. Right. So kind of, it's, it's, it's really, catalytic converters are really important. I mean, they reduce toxic emissions in cars. It's very, very important, but it's also sort of boring and yeah, but- very sciencey. So I just, it, it's almost like he was making fun of the normal things that you hang a movie on. Right. I was, um, I don't know who talked about this, but it's, it's and, and this is, this is just also my belief. I don't think the MacGuffin itself matters as much. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it only matters if it matters to the characters. True. So, so it could, it could literally be. Mother- but that's the thing. It doesn't matter to the characters. Or at least they say they don't. Well, it, it matters. Like the, the, it, it matters to cameo um, Matt Damon. It matters a lot to Matt Damon. <laughs> it doesn't really it, matter to anybody else. Like it matters in a sense not of, to Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah, but but they know they know that it matters to someone that they can exploit and get money from. That's right. right. That's so right. So it's it's kind of like if you think about like um, every time I think about MacGuffins, I think of um, goddamn was it uh, George Lucas? Yeah. Yeah. Like I think. I'm trying to think, is there a Star Wars film that doesn't have in some type of way, some type of MacGuffin in a way, right? I mean, I and, don't think so. Yeah, I think all of them have one to a certain extent. Indiana Jones has a MacGuffin. Now, they're pretty cool ones at the end of the day, but even if they were kind of like, you know, not as cool, it's the, I guess, the buildup that leads to it that's, to me, the most exciting. This movie is like the most grounded, realistic MacGuffin ever because it is some <laughs> thing. And I mean, right. it's again, catalytic converters, super important. Like they explained in the movie, 
They yeah. reduced emissions during the mid-70s because of the EPA. That's really important. I'm glad they exist. But it's just so undramatic. Okay, what about what about the Pulp Fiction, McGuffin? We still don't know what it was. That's one of the best ones ever for me. That's <laughs> because we don't know what it was. It, it, and, it might be yeah. his soul. We just don't know. Like, and it just shines and, you know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it could, it, it could be a dick in the box. <laughs> my, my bad what were you saying my, we beat that out. yeah i mean it, i don't know if it technically qualifies as a mcguffin because they do lay out very clearly what it is and why it's important um and it like uh, said, it doesn't, it doesn't yes matter and no. if, it doesn't matter if goins cares about the catalytic converter all that matters is i mean he wants the money he wants the five thousand dollars to go buy that land that he wants um but it's just like, it's a strange thing to hang a whole movie on and then do a postscript about. And it makes me wonder if Soderbergh is doing some like very meta comment on noir movies all around, like the way that they're so twisty. And so when you watch like forties and fifties noirs, I always find them to be like so needlessly complicated in Chinatown. I was thinking about Chinatown. (laughs) So needlessly complicated. You're like, I do not care about, again, Water rights are super important, but it's not a thing. I like it. It doesn't feel that cinematic, so maybe it's a nod to that. Well, okay, but look, here, here, okay, here's the problem with the MacGuffin in this case. Um, and I haven't gotten them all with all thoughts, and then we'll we'll get there. But like, so a MacGuffin like that is fine when you start getting more in depth about like who is being impacted by it, or you kind of like passively notice that the characters recognize some ill that is being created by the lack of the MacGuffin being in the right place or whatever it is. Right. Um, and in a lot of things, it might be like, you know, he man doesn't have, you know, the, the sword, you know, I forgot the name of the damn sword, but, but he like, don't have a sword and, 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 and by him not having the power or taking over and <laughs> fighting Skeletor, the people are suffering. Like, Right. No one in this movie knows that the catalytic converter might be contributing to pollution in Detroit and Los Angeles and Pittsburgh or whatever. Yeah. They just don't care. They just like big cars. Like I they, They're just like, them. damn, the, the air is dirtier. And uh, yeah. some of us get getting asthma out of nowhere. Hmm, that's sudden. But, <laughs> you know, no one's connecting the dots and being like, damn, like if only that Cadillac, uh, that converter was in the cars. You can super make the case that having cars and having more accessibility and less reliance on public transportation contributes to the rise of the suburbs and redlining and environmental racism. And And they say all of these things in really broad ways that are not connecting unless you already know about this subject matter already. You have to know a little bit or Google a little bit or pay very close attention to the movie. Yeah, and, and I think that was the thing. I don't think I cared that much about the Cadillac converter to even like look it up, you know? Yeah, it's just, I, I paused and I, that was one of the disadvantages of watching it. I, <laughs> I paused and Google catalytic converter because I was like, wait, did he, did he seriously just like make a dramatic point about catalytic converters? Well, and, and they, they explain it enough in the movie. Like, even if you don't know what it is, like it, it they, they stated like it, it's whatever. But the thing is our characters so literally couldn't care less about what this does. So that makes it kind of, that, that's where it becomes like this thing like, the characters involved don't care. What they care about is the, you know, the eventual uh, payment from having this document and, and keeping it hidden 
from other people who would want to put it in cars. But Matt Damon is also dropping so much information in that scene. And there's also the drama going on between Benicio Del Toro and Don Cheadle and who's going to screw who. And there's sort of the insinuation that Matt Damon is German and pretending to be Swedish, um, which is. Yeah, I ain't going to lie, because I don't know white people's last names like that. I was like, is is this a German thing? Is it a Jewish thing? Is it like I was like, which (laughs) I, 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 I took it as they're saying Matt Damon has German ties, which in 1955 could insinuate Nazi ties. But Mm -hmm. then he said that he made this big decision in 1928 to leave Ford and become kind of a representative of the entire. I have no clue what what Benicio Del Toro's character being a GM. I I was just like, he was like, you still don't remember me? And I'm like, what is going on? Right. And it was insinuated that he changed his last name too, because I guess, I don't know what his character. Yeah, yeah, he did kind of say that. Everybody insinuates that he's kind of white passing when he's actually Latin. Um, but oh, I wasn't even thinking that. So, yeah, he was. Again, I, I don't know enough about. Look, when you, I don't know all the things that white people be talking about when it comes to like nationality and where you're from. I know certain people hate on certain people. Italians are definitely among those that, that you know, other people be hating on. When it comes to Wasp, I'm not completely sure who is supposed to be cool and who not. I'm, I'm not clear because sometimes they cool, but then when they don't want to be cool, they, you know, they not. Whatever. Oh, let me give you the white racial hierarchy. Here's how. Right, we- there we go. Let's do it. I told- <laughs> I'm going to say, well, well, black people, it's just black and light skin. It's just dark and light skin. That's it. That's, that's where it stops. No, there is, there is like that weird thing, especially in the like, I've been watching The Sopranos a lot, and Tony is constantly making the point that Italians are not like other white people um, because the Wasps wanted somebody to do their dirty work, and uh, they, mm. made, they made the Italians do it. And a lot of Irish people say that, too, and a lot of Polish people say that. Um, well, that's the thing, because I know, like, one of the weird things is, like, where you get the situation where people from Eastern Europe definitely get treated a little different, and then people who are not hasidic jews are practicing or whatever you want to call them like they will jump in and out of certain circumstances depending on like what conversation is happening so i was a little confused like when people are having these conversations what i'm supposed to pick up on because i still don't know exactly what's going on culturally with that stuff but there was definitely something happening in those conversations about why they both had chosen to adopt different sorts of personas yeah. when they had known each other in a business setting in the automobile industry prior but this would have had to have been over 20 years ago like i think like 25 26 years ago well he said he was they're trying to recruit him but also how old are these guys because that's what i'm saying like it yeah it was a little like like 50 right they would have to be though i think so i think it's insinuating that they're at least about 50 or so because don Cheadle definitely would have to be about that age too though based on something else that they talk about he looks that way too. They all look like older people anyway. Even yeah, these aren't, they ain't they ain't youngins. We know that, but yeah. it was like how how old are we talking here? And does that age kind of explain why the, when the job starts doing stuff they're not expecting it to do? Why they're like, okay, now nah, we're not putting up with this. <laughs> I mean, so much respect to this movie for making a movie about a bunch of like fifty year olds in the nineteen fifties. Like it is a total grown up movie. Yeah. And it is one of those mid-budget movies that have supposedly gone away. So, you know, God bless everybody involved for making it. The actors are 
awesome. Soderbergh. Yeah, they, they, no, the acting was ridiculous. Yeah, Soderbergh can make nothing but shit movies for the rest of his life. I don't care. He's still one of the best ever. Um, and I'm not saying this is a shit movie. I'm just saying that for me, I got, I was not as emotionally invested in this as I was in like traffic, where I can remember sitting in traffic in 2000 or whatever it was and going, I hope this movie never ends. Like I enjoyed this so much. <laughs> but I also well, think that that films like this are very niche because it's just kind of like what I had talked about, like in the beginning of this, it's just, I kind of have a, a, I guess, um, a love for these type of films anyway. In the same way that I think some people just love horror films and some mm-hmm. people like, you know, like look at them and be like, this shit is fucking stupid. <laughs> for, for the most part a horror film is meant to be stupid just like romantic comedies like romantic comedies are pretty much all the same well see i think this movie and, and just getting my overall thoughts i mean i did enjoy it there are things about it I, I really dug a lot i mean you know uh. he was the um steven soderbergh was the so- cinematographer amazing job like i don't know exactly where they filmed it but i mean it really looks like that era and i thought they just did a fantastic job of making you feel like you were you know in that place oh um, this is detroit he's he shoots detroit better than anybody i mean the part in they did shoot it in detroit yeah from my understanding yeah i think they shot in detroit in september during during covid oh okay um, and what he does for detroit and out of sight no city has ever looked so beautiful yeah yeah it's yeah he's detroit should send him some money <laughs> I'm sure they, they I mean they, I guess they, they, they uh, yeah I was, I'm sure they, they they throw some tax breaks uh here and there um but yeah I mean it's it's a really well uh you know put together film um it, it from from the standpoint of just how it looks I mean I know some people will bother by the um technique the I guess fish eye lens I mean I, I thought when it, it's really used to affect. I feel like some people also feel like it throws them off. I thought it was impactful how it was shot. Um, there's a lot of things that, you know, if you look away, you'll miss a lot of real subtle things. People faking like this sleep, certain cars coming up hmm. um, in little, you know, ways. There, there's there's hints of betrayal all over the place and what characters are going to do. And like like many good movies, the betrayals that come later don't come out of nowhere. Like there's... I mean, it literally, you know, uh, Don Cheeto and, and, and uh, Del Toro are both like constantly betraying each other. Like, <laughs> like if you really go back and look how some of the stuff went down, like they they just don't trust each other the whole time. And even like when they're sitting there, like, man, 125k, huh? We can get some more. We can get some more though. It's like it's like you know that, that's kind of greedy though. But then even the greed isn't real. You find out necessarily. I, um, I love that one scene where he asked him if he can leave the keys in the car so we can listen to the radio. Yeah, yeah. He was like, nah. <laughs> he doesn't even say it. He's not even like, no. I, <laughs> I thought that, but see, okay, another subtle thing there. Um, they never say it, but it seems like the woman who he's speaking to in that house um, had a, because we don't know how long he was put away. I don't think, I don't think they ever say how long he was in jail. Um, oh, but, his, he seems to, that may be his kid who's crying. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of little subtle things in the movie uh, that I think are pretty interesting. Uh, Ray Liotta was, I kind of, man, I'm not gonna lie, when he when he was murdered, I was like, ah, oh, damn, I just, I feel like there was more to do there. <laughs> Potentially, that, that would have been pretty cool. Um, but it laid the foundation for what came later. It didn't come out of nowhere, you know, by allowing that to happen. 
Um, there's just a lot of by the end, I just kind of it. I had to watch videos after the fact to understand exactly what happened. Like I thought I had a good sense of it, and I mostly got it. Uh, there were pieces of it I missed as far as like the actual breakdown of what was going on, but it happens in such a flash that it's hard to keep up. So when they have both Matt Damon's character showing up and they're like, you know what this is about. So yeah, I, I, I know what it's about. Of course I know what it's about. Yeah. Um, and, and the money's all there, right? Yeah. The money's all there. You count, yeah. count the money to see how much you know, it's, it's like they're so over their heads on everything and then they also got the other guy downstairs to give them an extra 100 something k i was just like man this is so greedy and i just it, it was funny because i'm like how do these guys have enough trust in each other to even go through with this much of it um but i i thought it was impactful i just i was just so it got to the point where i literally knew though that the mob of the uh of the blacks whatever you want to call them I, I forgot all the characters names at this point but um i knew they weren't gonna kill him i knew what's face was gonna kill del toro because she just she was just too uh vanessa yeah man she was a schemer bro like i just knew it i just knew now, it. how did her face get fixed up so quick like look hey hey I'm sorry. I just had movie rules. Like, hey, we just let it rock. We just let like it rock. She, it was she, just a day. she. She was busted when she killed um, Frank. Yep. And she then got it together, man. Because she, she had to together. because she didn't want to let on that she had killed him either. Though. Well, fine. Hey. Mm. But um, <laughs> yeah, man. buddy. But you know, you like, can't uncut gems. Why we? <laughs> I'm just. I, nah, I, I still, yeah, I still ain't watched that. Yeah, I still ain't watched. Yeah, that I want to get distracted uh, because um, she she's real good at that in that film too. and the thing about her is she doesn't seem like she doesn't seem like an actor she seems like a real person in the middle of a movie Mm. right like they just pick somebody up but (laughs) i'm not saying saying in a bad way i'm saying she just seems like more natural than other people on screen in some weird way and she even has some weird line readings in this movie that i felt like were deliberate um but uncut gems i think the safety brothers did pretty much discover her for that movie and Good for them because she's she's great. Yeah, she does seem like a person that's a um, like you said, like a natural actor. She don't seem like, and I don't know nothing about the woman. Like she don't seem like somebody that may have, you know, just came from a theater background or something like that. And she then, just has so much charisma. Yeah, I don't think she sits up and talk about this deep ass shit. How she wrote a notebook about her character and how she, <laughs> she lived and ate like her character for like three months <laughs> or some shit. Man, I ain't gonna lie. Actors are funny like that. Like actors are literally like funny as hell. My girlfriend do stuff like that. Yeah, if I want an actor, I'm like, just play make believe. Damn. Kind of has that natural thing in this movie too, because he plays like the same guy he plays in Succession, but if he was poor, he's (laughs) he's still like the same like shitty attitude and like very (laughs) very entitled. Who does this now? Uh, Kieran Culkin. Oh yeah, yeah. Who's just? I mean, the acting in this movie is on point, like he all played. around. So, he so speaking of which, and, um, and Fargo too. Well, what's the name of the actor that was playing the 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 uh, father of the family that was getting jacked up? Um, oh, Harbor. David Harbor. Yeah, I I I'm trying to think of his real name. But, uh, Crimson Warrior, or whatever his name is, in Black Widow, Father Russia. I don't remember. 
Well, he he was tight in this movie. Like I I really enjoyed his performance. It was funny though because it, it's like there's like this weird butterfly effect with like one or two things go just slightly differently. The movie, well, the outcome of like all the different events are very different. Even like his son just being such a, a buster, a snitch. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I gotta do something about this. And he was like, don't be a hero. And I'm like, all right, don't is he gonna mess this up? Um, and you know, then he going out and, and telling the cop everything, like, is my dad in trouble? Like, if he is, you need to shut your mouth. You don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> like I know I to to his defense, some people just don't know. Like I, sure. I like I, I feel like <laughs> I think black people just know not to snitch. Like, hey, we had this conversation, like it's just something that's in the culture where you just don't talk to the police. Well, okay, so, before, you know. It's I, like it, the worst thing you could so, do. So here's the thing, the before Black Lives Matter, I think saying that would have been like, hey, you know, why would you ever say you just don't talk to the cops? Well, I mean, stuff be happening. There's a lot of reasons not to talk to the cops. And, and, and not that you can't trust police. It's just more like a thing of like, okay, we just got randomly jacked by three criminals and that is cop. Is like not only did he ask us questions, but like he's scoping out where we we hid, and he asked me questions right outside the house. I mean, this is a, a teenage boy, so I'm not expecting him to be that discerning. But it's just kind of funny because he's so guilt ridden, and it's kind of unclear like where that comes from. But like you know, he just really wants to to you know feel like he's doing the right thing, and at the end of the day, also. The fact that the father's misdeeds with another woman outside the marriage and bringing the family apart potentially, like I think everybody was just mad at him anyway. Um, I, yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I mean, all that, all the motivations make sense to me though. Yeah, the motivation makes sense. That's why I say to his point, I can understand him talking to the cops. But mm-hmm. if it was me, I wouldn't have said shit. No, nah, I wouldn't. That, but I think I think I've said this before, and I think part of the logic is that like. You know, back in the day, like back when our grandparents was younger, the worst thing you could do was call the police. It's either you you probably nine times out of ten had to handle whatever you had to handle yourself. Well, I love how like the, the dudes in the suits get visits at their house and they too are like, don't call no cops. <laughs> nah. Some people wrong. just know and, and there are certain people you just know like, man, you're not going to call. Don't bring them in this. They, they... Well, not, and I think that some of the people did probably understand it was understood like you could bring a cop into this that's actually you don't know if they with some criminals or not too. That's what I'm saying. They they just such they two of an unknown element. Yeah, so like, it's like nah nah. Yeah, it's, let me take these punches <laughs> and we'll get through this. Yeah, man, yo yo ass to get arrested. You call the police, man. Yeah, yeah, man, it ain't worth it. I mean, overall though, as a as a white suburbanite uh, outside of Boston, I have to say when I went to the police station about two months ago. So lovely. The guy had the same birthday as me. We talked about Paul McCartney. Wow, yeah. it was great. I just want to say that. All right, that's no all. offense. I feel like white people just want a reason to call the police. It just be <laughs> it is such a pleasant experience. It's just, yeah, because it's like like you could just be you could be loud. Like they be they call because the neighbors too loud. I will never call on shit like that but, ever in my life. Harlem started having that happen when I was living there. That was what I wasn't living in. I was living in New York City. I was living in Brooklyn, but we visited some people in Harlem occasionally. I remember one time we went up there, and this is when they were trying to call it Soha. I guess that's completed now. I have no clue. Like the transformation of South Harlem into like this 
kind of white suburbanite area, but they would get mad because people who've been saying that generations want to have like these little summer uh, barbecues and stuff and they'd be out jamming, you know, to like, you know, midnight and well, people used to be so pissed off. They would sit up here trying to get everybody taken to jail. Our block parties are some of the best things about the hood. They ain't trying to hear that shit. Like, but, but, and you know what I was just thinking, I'm, you know, it's so, it's, it's generalizing a lot, you know, because like um, my girl, of course she black, but she will snitch and she will call the police on somebody. Like in a second, she had oh, some no noise. Snitching. No, she just will snitch in general. Like she, <laughs> she snitch. She the only person I ever known. No, she not the only person I've known, but she snitch on her own manager. <laughs> like oh, she what? possession. She, man, she will go to HR on a motherfucker quick. That never works. Like, yeah, no, I don't know. ESPN has shown fact, lately. HR but the thing is, the, really fact, the, fact, you. the point I'm making is that she does this so quick. Like, and it'd and it be like for the most smallest infraction possible. Like, you know how somebody say something, they just, they definitely joking. She like, no, unprofessional. She gonna go down <laughs> get your ass out <laughs> Like, she is not for the play with you, like, at all. It's kind of funny to me, though. But we grew up differently, so you know I understand. She's different. She would have been she would have been the kid out there talking to the police. That's the point. Pitch <laughs> on anybody, but the catches. I'm the most confrontational neighbor ever. So like, mm. my neighbors in L.A. threw a party in the middle of COVID, and I just like went over and was like, "You guys need to shut the fuck up. Like, mm. what is this? What are you doing? Like, and they were like, "What are you do? They were like, "What are you doing at our door? Like, this is not cool. Like, we're having like." I I have argued with every, I will argue with people in movie theaters, <laughs> on planes. I will argue with anyone over anything. <laughs> not if you ain't bothering me, I'm not gonna bother you for the most part. Yeah, like, I don't do it until they bother me. And then yeah, they have to bother you. If you take out your phone in a movie, oh boy. Now you know, you know, <laughs> the, the, the one that did that just be having me livid. Oh, don't let me catch you though. If you, you like in the neighborhood and your dog shit on somebody's lawn and you just leave it there? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, dog, I'm coming after you. <laughs> <laughs> no, bring that's your ass back over here. That's so annoying. Like, pick pick up after your damn dog, man. Some people just do that, and they don't even think twice about it. They be super trifling. Just... Some people just throw stuff out their car, too. You know, man, you be shocked in Tennessee how frequently, and I'm talking about in the, the neighborhoods, it's like, yeah, money, money. Like, people would just be throwing trash out. It's on the road. I'm like, y'all ain't seen the Native American commercial? What are you doing? <laughs> you guys weren't alive in 1973? Come on. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't either. <laughs> Shit, I don't think anybody on the podcast was. But still. I, bet, like, I, bet they, <laughs> I bet they won't go to Tokyo throwing stuff on the ground. Now, see, oh. you say that, but oh. I just read something where they were talking about the the uh, water with that the Olympians gonna be swimming in, it, like smells like poop because. Oh, they're... don't Tokyo for me. No, no, no. Like, look, the th- Tokyo <laughs> in is my Tokyo. Mind, Tokyo is perfect. No, no, like, look, other places in Japan are ultra clean. Tokyo is not one of them. Like, their wastewater is mixed with their regular water in, in some cases. Like, what, what I'm saying, like, when it comes to treatment and they're dumping in certain reservoirs, and ain't nobody drinking water. Man. Yeah, but they're they gonna have Olympians swimming in it. I thought they drink only like funny drinks with like yellow bunnies on them and stuff. 
No, 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 no. You got that confused with uh, what's that? What's the cat's name? Look, I can't remember now. I thought like in Japan, Hello Kitty. There we go. Yeah, I thought you would like put a quarter in a machine and like a funny energy drink pops out. Chaco comes out. Yeah. Is yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go there one day. I plan on going. I'm there. gonna go there one day, but okay, I, I ain't gonna. I'm, you better know the language a little bit. We black. We gotta be a little. Yeah, more. You speak Japanese, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Jesus. I, I ain't gonna learn no language when I get out there. Yeah. Anyway, I need to well, practice uh, it again, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can get by. This is a Konnichiwa. But um. What do we, what do we, we, I'm still, I guess we were so stuck on this man. Oh, we're mad at that eight year old child who told the police about the man was not eight, he was a whole teenager. I said eight, (laughs) he was like, he he had enough sense to not know. But see, he he a shit talker, Jakes. You know, one thing, see, okay, this movie did, it felt very movie ish. When like these people, these suburbanites get held up at gunpoint, they talk it. They basically go for me to like talking shit or just talking very normal. Yeah, he's like, "Don't act like this is a regular conversation." Like, man, I'm not giving nobody point a gun to me demands. Are you crazy? But again, like you know, yeah, that that was like so unrealistic. That was real like, weird. Yeah, but it was it was that was the, the movie was feeling itself a lot right there. You know, there's little moments like that that kind of take you out of it in moments. But overall, like I thought it, it really did it fit the genre is going for really well. It's just the amount of double crosses got so absurd by the end. It was just like, all right. I love double cross on top of double cross. Like um on the departed. Kind of remind me of that. Like there was something. Yeah, this this was this was <laughs> I don't know. This this one kind of did a little too I don't know, it's a little too on the nose sometimes. The part it was so organized with the double crosses, it was like a beautiful, like unfolding <laughs> series of Russian eggs of double crosses or something. It was, it just like came out like a kaleidoscope of double crosses. And this one was just like, whoa, another one left, right, bam. Yeah, oh, it, it just it got real crazy. I mean, I think the end, I did like how the dialogue with Matt Damon came full circle, where he's saying basically. You think you're playing by your own rules, but you're always playing by, you know, rules I've created, like people like me. Yeah. You know, and I'm all like, you know, if you cut off, you've taken this money, but like when I get money, it's like a, a lizard's tail. It just comes back and it came <laughs> back plus some. That's probably the best thing in the whole movie. And then, you know, I was like, all right, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And I, the, now I, I do love that the, the uh, black mobster was like, look, he was like, you ain't gonna take this money. Like, look, I don't even know exactly where it came from. I'm not touching that shit. That I don't money. need them problems. I don't need them problems at all. You can keep that money. That's that that's the kind of dirty money we ain't we ain't got the time for. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we it, it, and that's not even like on a we know our place, but more like on a it just ain't even worth all that. Yeah. Like, Man, that yeah. was a lot of money back then, though. Yeah, I mean, basically, I heard somebody say, and I don't know how true this is, because I'm not an inflation expert, but basically they were like, if you took any number you put in this movie and you just multiplied it by 10, essentially, you just, you got about, like, how much that money was worth. So you just add a zero to everything at the end. So essentially, they were looking at $3.75 million in those bags. 
yeah, yeah it's, it's, right because uh, i'm doing the inflation calculator <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> works out pretty perfectly multiply by 10 yeah yeah so i mean you know look the movie i think it accomplishes what it means to do i don't think it's going to be considered a classic um once we get away from it i, I don't know how well it'll be remembered there's some memorable performances but some of the way that the plot comes together is kind of clumsy and, and hard to follow. But, but you know, the, there are sequences that are really, really well done. I mean, my favorite part is definitely still when you have them meet, like the blacks and the Italians meeting and then like, you know, everything kind of goes to shit. And the fact that, he, I like how he set up, he was like, look, if I hit the, if I like uh, spill a drink and hit the deck, do what you got to do. <laughs> You know, and uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty hilarious. I love that scene. It was pretty good. Uh, whatever voice Cheetah is doing is amazing also. Yeah, no, I thought so too. Nah, I mean, nah, he, he did a good job. Man. I think everybody did a good job yeah. from an acting perspective. Um, I love that uh, <laughs> Ray Leone gets out, out the damn trunk. We're using the, uh, the back seats. Just like screw it, just kick these things in. <laughs> oh come on, guys! I'm agoraphobic. The best. Right. So damn stupid. The best line is still, um, "Damn, I'm like what? It's just Tuesday." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk. They went through too much shit. Like, nah, man. Yeah, it's something you can't understand. If I could just kill a man, I would just be so suspicious if 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 this dude and the family just murdered some people and they would just you can come chill in my house and ain't nobody just constantly crying in the corner and nothing like y'all too chill about this shit. <laughs> right. Like what y'all be doing on the regular? You know. Nah, it was it was pretty cool movie. I just I feel like a few more things have come together a little more clean, then it would have definitely kind of hit that next level but it didn't it didn't quite quite hit those heights but it's a good movie i think it's a movie worth watching i definitely think it sounds just like i was saying earlier i think that people appreciate more like later on down down the line because it's just like what, what um tim tim mentioned chinatown which in some type of ways people would consider to be a classic but I don't I, I i don't really know what the reception of that film was when it first came out you know yeah. And I think that's that's kind of like what type of the type of film that this is, you know. Yeah. Oh, I don't know why I started thinking about this, but have you guys ever seen From the Waterfront? No. Uh on the waterfront, the um, on the waterfront, yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of the characters named Terry Malloy. Yeah, Brand Brandon with Marlon Brando. Love that movie. I was thinking about that, like how I don't it's one of those films, I don't know anything about the history of the film. But I think that it's like this where you you know you could you you see people watch it like decades later and then just really like watch it and it's still like has some type of weight to it, you know. And it I think oh this is what made me think of it because there's a part like so at the end of um No Sudden Move when um Bill Deuce character asks him like so so this is the money that that I have so how should this be divided and he just said Don Cheadle's character says yo I just want I want the five thousand yeah and then he's like 
Okay, so you pretty much I won't. And then he said something around the lines, "I won't what what I'm owed." Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing that Marlon Brando said says in that film too. And it just made me. It just kind of made that connection for me with those with those two films. You know what's fucking um, crazy? I'm googling it. On the waterfront comes out in 1954, the same year that this movie takes place. Mm. Yeah, maybe that's also where the connection comes from. You know, but that's that's why I'm saying because because if you took this movie and you made this movie in 1954, yeah, you could do it. Like you can you could literally make this movie in 1954, and it will still be the same. You know, you can make on the waterfront now. I mean, Don Cheadle would have been played by a white actor, but otherwise, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. If it was 1954, he would. Well, no, but then it would it wouldn't be the same story though, because you had to have the black the black people in it. You know, I mean, it kind well, of okay. It well, kind of I mean, purpose. sorry. It might have let, let me let me ask this too, because I got I got to be honest. Um, this happens on occasion. I don't act because Keith, maybe you can explain it. I don't know why we need the the black organized crime here. Like I don't know what that actually adds to it. But maybe there's something I'm just missing. Um I guess because that's who that's who his character was connected with. Because but that's I, how that's how he stole the book. He had that he he stole I don't remember. The, I can't remember the complete specifics behind it, but he mm-hmm. worked for that for Bill Duke's character, Atkins, right? Mm-hmm, At- Atkins. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of like some type of dispute between the blacks and the Italians, he was able to get his hand on that book. But that book was for the the Bill Duke's character. It was right, but other people wanted that book too. But what, see, that was a, okay. oh, he kind of he so that book was used in some. But you kind of forget about it because it's used as as leverage. So okay, so but see, okay, that, but that's what kind of what I don't understand. So see, maybe you guys can break this down for me. So obviously he has that book as leverage, but why does he need the book as leverage? I get because he's supposed to have messed up some job, so maybe he needs that book so they don't Im- immediately go after him. I guess is that what it is? It's some leverage, I guess. Yeah. No, but le- leverage against what though? Like why? Well, it's also he, they, he wanted him dead, but then he was like, he has the book. But then, like, I guess he wanted him dead because he messed up that job that's mentioned at the start. And maybe that's how he got locked up. I think the book is a way to bring Bill Duke and his whole gang into it. Yeah. And bring organized crime into it more than the auto industry thing would have brought others into it. And I'm I, I'm still sort of confused by how everybody works with everybody else. Like, it seems like some of the gangsters are in cahoots with the auto industry. Um, but I wouldn't want to bet my life on that. I also think I don't. So, so I kind of go back and forth in, in this. Well, okay. But wait, wait a minute. I'm, okay. I just want to say this real quick. I think maybe Tim, it was that the accountant was going to sell the design, the CAD design um, to the, uh, so, okay, so the CAA group. I'm not even going to try to make sense of this. Like, okay, I, so, so, so I'm saying, like, going, so between like Ford, explain. GM, and those, and so, the, like, this CAA group is like some sort of automobile group where you have like all four of the big automobile makers yeah. under that group. And the accountant was going to sell the design and get it out to somebody who was not underneath that conglomerate. 
Okay. And that selling would have happened through the underworld. Uh, okay. I think is what's happening there. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, it's it's like for me, it's a MacGuffin. I don't. It's that Austin Powers Basil exposition thing when he explains time travel and then he tells Austin Powers not to worry about it. And then he looks at the audience and says, and that goes for you too. It's kind of like that. It's kind of, mm. I get that everybody's motivated by it and that there's, a, that it's expensive and they, they want to fight over it. Um, but I, that doesn't mean I have to understand it. I, um, I was going to also answer your question why the, the black mobsters play a part into it. I also think that that was pretty much Don Cheadle's character's way of escaping out of the situation and getting what he came into the situation for, which was what he what he was owed. Meaning, like, there's a part, the point I was going to make is that there's a part where I was thinking that everything that led up towards the end was already, like, planned out the way that it was supposed to be planned out, where he, where he still got the money, his $5,000, and um, Atkins got his book and they got that extra money too, you know, from, from the other guy. I'm not like, going to lie. Knew, For like, some reason pretty much saying he that, knew. I'm just not connecting that thing he cut out of the suitcase was the damn book. Right, because that's why he went to the house to get the suitcase. And so so another thing is that I know that he knew that Benicio Del Toro in some type of way was going to try to screw him, right? And so he was going to let him get away with the money that they got from Matt Damon's character. And the other money was the money that he was going to pay back to Atkins. But he and didn't also owe Atkins that much money. He didn't, but shit, that nigga... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. But that man was going <laughs> to kill him if it wasn't if it wasn't worth it. You know what I'm saying? But the book is the, book is the thing... I guess that's what I understand. Yeah, that's what I'm like, saying. He, what's he, the gave, he got him what he, what he needed. But you got to understand, you're not dealing with like no, no, regular, no fair person. Like sure. he, he's like he like I came what I what I came for, and so for good faith he also giving him that money, that extra what was it hundred thousand or so. And sure. In movies, oh. hand, it helps you have like two rival gangs, who you know don't get along and are never going to fully trust each other. So the Italians and the black gangs are never going to trust each other. They just he, aren't in 1954. There's he also problem. got himself away from the police by dealing with Atkins. Because Atkins gave the cops this whole thing, and we know what the cops gonna choose. That's fair. You know, that's fair. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think he he planned it out. Now there was a moment where it was like it was gonna be because that's why uh, Atkins chose. Let me ask you a question. Why do you trust me? Mm-hmm. He said, "Cause you trustworthy," and just left it at that. Because even even all the way through through the ride, I think there was a part of him that was like, "I this is a part of the plan." And so now it's up to Atkins to either do what he say he gonna do, or he gonna turn his back and kill me and take all the money. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yep. Yep. That all makes sense. It. it you had to talk through it with other people. <laughs> I, I mean, that's that's probably the main part I understand. Everything else is. <laughs> yeah, I. I'm just gonna be clear. I didn't understand half of the movie, so I'm. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I, yeah. another thing another thing i do this and some people like hate that i do this i watch movies and subtitles me too so oh, i definitely did so for some reason watching movies and subtitles helped me understand the film better so because yeah. i felt like this was one of the movies especially after i saw that article that you sent from the what was it the la times oh yeah that article was like, 
huh? Yeah, where they say don't text while you watch this movie. I'm yeah. like, oh, I really need to pay attention. And um, and also my cousin was over here and she was just like, she kind of talks loud. So once she kind of got quiet, like I'll pause the movie for a moment and just be like, oh, okay, okay. Then start it back. Cause I'm like, I gotta focus on this shit or else I wanna Dude, be lost. This is the ultimate, almost don't wanna watch it with another person movie. Cause when they're like, well, wait, why does he went to Ledger? And you're like, I don't know. We're watching the same movie. I have no idea. Like when people ask this stuff and it's like, I don't know any more than you do. Like, oh, you, I, know, you know a movie I feel that way about? And I, 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 I'm just gonna say I'm stupid because I never understood this movie. It's like Brazil. Um, the science fiction film. I've only made it like five minutes into Brazil. I really want to see it because I like. Seen it. It's all. like confusing as fuck. And, um, <laughs> and for some reason, I could never get through Space Odyssey for 2001. <laughs> oh yeah, I know a lot of people. I, I haven't finished that one either, so yeah, I, I can't. Yeah. Now I'm happy to have gotten through the other Kubrick movie. Um, uh, eyes wide shut. <laughs> eyes wide shut is is interesting. Yeah, I um I like I've never. Every time I talk to somebody about that movie, we never had the same viewpoint on what happened. Hey, y'all saying A Clockwork Orange is another one that's weird, like that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah same director. So yeah, I show um Randall the trailer to A Clockwork Orange like uh, a couple days ago, and she was like, "What is this?" I said, "I don't know. I read the book and everything." No, the book, the <laughs> I book can't did really not help me understand. It. I was like, I don't get it. But she was like, yeah, I don't get this shit. So. I mean, I understand. I understand the bake basic stuff, but like, I feel like there's so much I just don't get. But um, we just—I well, feel like we kind of we we talked through a lot of everything uh, for the film, uh, and this is probably a good closing point. But uh, if y'all got this far, we really appreciate it. Definitely like, rate, review the pod tell a friend at least one other person if we get an extra view every time like we see that as a win so definitely please spread the word um keith as always could you let people know where they can find us on the social right. yeah we're on facebook sometimes and we also on instagram at the low-key pod of course of course and tim anything to plug for a movie maker um we have a real good interview with james gunn that's going to be out by the time this is out oh yeah suicide squad related yeah Boom. When did that movie come out? August next 6th, I believe. I think it first premieres at the Fantasia Film Festival August 4th and then officially premieres August 6th. But please don't hold me to that. It's, a, it's around those dates, but I'm going off the top of my head. All right. Cool. Peace. See y'all.